1: Here's the story. Here's the story, Tyler. Since you have to do the stories and Doug and I don't have to do it, you, hey, you need to get Brady and you need to find out how miserable Giselle is that he still wants to play football. <laughs> like, I don't think he's ever going to quit because she must be the most miserable person in the world. And that's the question I need answered from Tom Brady. Like, did you, do you can't stand her that much you're going to keep playing football and you don't need to? That says everything about his life.
2: That, ladies and gents, (laughs) is the smartest man alive. Jim Monas, Nostromonis, as he's known in the streets, accurately describing the Tom Brady situation. late. I mean, th- this is from January of 2021. January of 2021. So the 2020 season, when Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this was, I believe, the week before the Super Bowl. Um, un- unbelievable, Jim, that you were able to explain why this guy wants to play football at 44, going on 45, going on. Who the hell knows how long this guy's play this guy plays? How did you know Tom Brady and Giselle were, 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 out, were on the fritz? You know, things were good. You, you, you knew something. I don't know. You you tell me. Tyler.
1: It's very simple. I spent a lot of years as a scout driving in my car. And what did I listen to during those long drives was Howard Stern. And Howard Stern had a way of opening my eyes to some things relationship wise that kind of relate to what's going on maybe at jobs and where you could kind of tell that something's just not right and i was let's at the end of the day i was kind of guessing i obviously had no idea i mean i was just kind of running with it like there has to be some reason he's still playing so i'm gonna go with stern as my kind of my inspiration for that but um i will say it's been getting some pretty good reactions.
2: Well, I mean, we, we need to put it here on the podcast. It's not getting the reaction that it really deserves. I mean, it's I think it's we, we talked tough. about it. It'd be yeah. easy to kind of like repost it into the social media world, but I feel like social media just kind of sucks and everybody's offended by everything that people would kind of take the tone of that clip
0: yeah, and
2: yeah. drop it into you know the context oh. of something that. Isn't us on a pod with a beer bullshitting about football. And it would it would sound a little callous when obviously you weren't being malignant with your, your analysis of the Tom Brady situation. No, our listen our listeners here on the podcast get that. Twitter I was would gonna
1: not. say it was it's all in good fun. And honestly, I can spin it any way you want me to spin it. I can go where she's probably tired of him all the time, too. Like, okay, Tom, I get it. You want more attention. You want to keep playing. Okay, I get it. I mean, I'm not saying it was all, I, I I shouldn't have, you know, I didn't necessarily mean it was all her fault that he's still playing football, but I still don't understand, especially how how much you and I talk about the violence of this sport, especially with your book, like the title of your book, even Blood and Guts. I mean, it's like, it's, it's what it is. It's violent. And why would you keep playing if you didn't have to? that's really what we're talking about
2: well you you're married to the sport instead of yeah. you know a significant other I mean really you're you're, you're prioritizing football above it's all you know relationship. it's relationship
1: I've Tyler I've talked about it before the, the Shawshank redemption you know when he gets out of jail and doesn't really know what the world is like because he was in jail yeah. so long I'm telling the, you, the other inmate there I forget his name yeah, yeah you know what I'm talking about I'm sorry I kind of yeah it's good, yeah. good recall with you but I honestly can see that with football coaches they're lifers and it's all they know and it can start way back to just when they they go right from playing to coaching and it's all they know and it's just not it's awkward for them not to be training or competing preparing to win a title it's, it's what they know being on the big stage entertaining it is an entertainment business, you know yeah, I, there's just so much that goes into it that I don't think we can understand because obviously we've never been in that position, but man.
2: Well, thank you for, you know, co-hosting hey, good this job. podcast. Yeah, that, was, so you, that was good.
1: It's a good way to,
2: yeah. We just have to remind everybody, you know, what they get on this show. You, you, you get yeah. 100% foolproof yeah. predictions when right. it comes to, uh, you know, football yeah. and marriage. And, it doesn't and always
1: marriage. trans, it doesn't, doesn't always translate, it's like the uh, it doesn't always translate to the uh, fatty locks of the week. Um, <laughs> like when I'm giving out the Steelers getting 14 against the Bills, like so. I don't know everything, I definitely don't know everything.
2: Well, as always, as you alluded there, this podcast is fueled by Fatty Beer Company, <laughs> so get on into Fatty, baby. You can get as much beer as you want on a Bills game day. For 30 bucks which is a ridiculous deal if you're looking to watch football here in western new york but i mean even if you just you know it's family friendly there too you know whether it's the orchard park location hamburg kenmore ellicottville columbus they're all over the place and they have beer for every every kind of person every kind of beer drinker ipas sours pumpkin beers with this being fall Christmas beers will be around the bend so <laughs> yep see what Nick and Chris are cooking up for you. They are fantastic dudes and is where you want to be hanging out if you're drinking a beer this time of year. Right Jim.
1: I you get a lot of beer knowledge and 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 a lot of gambling knowledge. Chris, Chris has been known to drop a little gambling knowledge too. So
2: yeah, he does. Oh, Chris he knows what he's talking about. Uh so the podcast it's been a while I guess we should we should also apologize to folks it's been a little crazy so yeah you know for many reasons we don't need to to get into on the podcast whether it's uh personal stuff going on we appreciate all prayers this direction if you want to direct them this direction thank you very very much and also professional stuff um, simultaneously going on with the release of my first book, Jim, the blood and guts. Like you said, it's out it's today. It's pretty dang cool to have this book sitting right here. It's just seeing you go through it. It's
1: been pretty cool to see it finally be officially out. Um, You could talk, you could talk at length well, about what you went through, but I at least know everything you were doing. I, I still can't believe it. So it wasn't,
2: you know, and I, we, what we want to get into on this podcast too is uh Jim Monas's appearance in this book, <laughs> which blew my mind because jim at, Jim is such a humble dude that he did not just bring it up at any point through. I mean, you know you you've known this whole time I'm working on this book, and yeah. at no point did you even mention anything Jimmy Graham and your role in the drafting of Jimmy Graham. I kind of found out on my own. And then brought it to you and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I I scouted him. So I want to get into that on the podcast, but you're right. It's been, it's just, it's really cool to see it all come together. I'm not going to lie. I mean, to to hold (laughs) the blood and guts and, um, and just to see the final product and, you know, above all Jim, the fact that people get to hear and read the stories from these tight ends that I've been hearing for a year now, it just brings me joy. I can't wait for people to hear what Mike Dickett has to say from back in the day, or Jackie Smith. I mean, his his unbelievable story, it it transcends football, how his life gets defined by five and a half seconds. I, I can't imagine any of us trying to deal with that in our everyday lives to Tony Gonzalez. I mean, in Austin, Texas, and how he fought for the tight end position and the evolution of the position. And almost went to blows with a Mike Malarkey to <laughs> Jeremy Shockey in Miami beach. And he is,
0: Ooh, everything I was around,
2: you think, yeah, you were around Jeremy Shockey, which yeah. a rare, rare breed. He is you, your stuff. With
1: That's the part I can't wait, wait to read is Shockey. I, I didn't mean that. I was so the Shockey part is the guy that is the guy that I don't want to say he was gronk before gronk, but you know, with the off the field, yeah, it was it was accepted. Hey, it's Shocky. That's how he lives. Like, hey, that's Gronk. It's how he lives. That's how they produce on the field. But man,
2: well, that's a big theme of the book, Jim. I mean, the fact that they, the Jeremy Shockey, he played hard, he lived hard, he partied hard. At the U, you know, fights are breaking out. He's in the middle of it. He's giving that team that attitude. He goes to the New York Giants, training camp practice number one. He's rolling around with Brandon Short, throwing absolute haymakers. I mean, they are going at it. And guess what? Jim Fossil loves it. I mean, he wants Shockey to just start fights for the hell of it because he wants his team to play with passion and energy. Um, And oh, by the way, yeah, he's calling Tom Coughlin an asshole. And the next day telling his teammates, hey, First Amendment, America, I can say what I want. And, you know living it up in new york city the thing is he works so damn hard though i mean oh that's what kind of gets lost with jeremy shockey is like if he went out and, and 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 had a night on the town or whatever he'd almost punish himself he'd wake up in the middle of the night and just bang out 100 push-ups you know that they're, they're he's such a dynamic individual that we could we could not take our eyes off of including the eyes of rob gronkowski he writes him a letter from buffalo new york telling him that you're my idol. You're, like, you're who I look up to. I mean, and basically took that shocky blueprint to a different stratosphere and becomes the greatest titan ever, in my opinion. That's funny. Um, I didn't even
1: know that. I was I didn't know that. And I was sitting there saying that they they remind me of that same. I mean, they live the same way. They produce. They're a complete player,
2: can do it all. You know, and they they beat their bodies, you know, to beat a bloody their bodies, pulp. To beat their bodies, And that's too. where you know you can get Tony Gonzalez's opinion of the position and he he doesn't hide from the fact that it's brutal he was able to avoid injuries he was able to kind of take that quick step back and, yeah. and basketballify it that way and avoid the killer shots and maybe step out of bounds and i mean he, he, his longevity is insane and he broke every record because he stayed healthy so um yeah anyways i it, it was so much fun i mean it was a passion project in every sense of the word um god like as we've talked about on here just i i just can't thank my wife enough. I mean, her name should be on the, the dang cover of the book. Gina was an unbelievable rock star. I mean, Sonny was born in late July, right around the time I signed the book deal. And you know, as I'm I'm doing everything with Go Long, traveling around, hanging out, sitting down with these tight ends, transcribing, writing a book, meeting deadlines. It it takes it takes a team effort, you know. It it takes my parents and my my in-laws, you know, yeah. wa- watching the kids this day or that day and you know, it was major just survive in advance mode. <laughs> you know, we're we were like the fifth, the plucky 15 seed. You know, trying to upset the number two seed and just keep going through the tournament. It, um, but yeah, Gina, Gina was unbelievable. And so, uh, it's yeah, I I, it's, I just can't I thank know. everybody enough for for it's, reading the blood and guts, and it it really makes it all worth it.
1: it the family, friends, support is it's just critical for everything. It's critical. So. You that's got cool that right, yeah, man. it's cool you mentioned that because that's it is it takes a team it takes a team to get that done
2: and hey you know what i the last point on the book and and i can't thank everybody out there enough for for pre-ordering you know as early as march when, when i told everybody i was doing this maybe it was april the support at go long has just been through the roof i mean all of you that support what i've been trying to build from day one I do not take it lightly, do not take it for granted. It, it means the absolute world. But I, I think, you know, share it with your friends because yeah, it's a it's a book about the tight end position and how it really does preserve everything we talk about on this podcast, the violence, what real football is, the authenticity of a, of a dick, a, a shocky, a gronk and and why that's important to just be yourself. Um, Beyond, beyond all that, I, I feel like this book is, is a, 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 not a manual, it's not like a, a self-help book like we see so often, It's but it is a book about life, man. I, like this, I mean, yeah. Jackie Smith and Smith. Tony Gonzalez and Ben Coates and George Kittle, Shannon Sharpie, all these tight ends have some stories that really, I know they made me look in the mirror and examine my life in, in so many ways. You know, Dallas Clark, his, his mom is is dying in his arms in high school, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham, as you know, basically an orphan, you know, his mom doesn't even want to I, I know he's just ejected into a group home with at-risk kids with a rap sheet and he's fearing for his life every day. And I feel like it, it hopefully I, I hope people have the same reaction that I did even talking to these guys. It it just helps you want to strive to be a better human being in, in, in so many ways, these conversations.
1: It's. Uh it just makes me smile that how much in common they live, like for some reason, they just all kind of live hard. But then I was thinking about it. I, I think it's just life in general, any type of job that it's just like that living hard thing is, is not for everybody, but there are certain jobs where your profession is so intense that it carries over to off the field as well. Or off your profession because you're just used to being banging heads, competing at the highest levels, and you can't almost. Come, it's almost like you can't calm down. Like you go home at night, and it's like, no, I'm ready to go again. Like,
2: yeah,
1: now what's I'm I'm going out. Like, what's next? Okay, I'm getting up. I'm practicing. Okay, meetings. Okay, let's go out. I'm ready. You, they can't stop. And and it's just it's they all have it in common, but man their commitment, their love for football is also
2: in common. I think that you just nailed it, Jim. It's a high intensity, high adrenaline, high pressure, uh, violent profession where as George Kittle said, you know, you're going to training camp, you're, you're, you're punching into work and you're beating each other up. You're beating your friends up in 90 degree heat, Which, by the way, there's jobs on the line. And Oh, by the way, if you sprain your ankle, and you miss a couple practices, you might be out of a job because the guy who just replaced you just took it. I mean, that it, it, it's not for everybody. You know, the job itself isn't for everybody. No, That mental pressure isn't for everybody. No. And the tight end position being football itself, you got to block, you got to catch, you have to know the okay. whole offense. It, it's everything distilled to one position. It does take a unique individual to thrive in that world and continue to evolve the position and keep the sport alive in that world. And the more I talked to these tight ends, the more it became clear, these are the dudes who were able to be uniquely qualified to keep the the, the sport alive, to to make football football and to be people that you can just relate to. And Tony Gonzalez says the tight end position is life itself. I think people can relate to the tight end because of what you're asked to do in that sense. Um, yeah you're, you're absolutely it's, it's a different world man it's a different world and that's why we watch that's why we watch the game
1: that's why they also should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do <laughs> to get through and prepare agreed. and stay healthy so
2: agreed all right um so thank you again everybody hey do you want to get right into the jimmy graham stuff or do we want to talk about the games your call jim
1: how about let's finish with jimmy graham let's do some games and let's kind like of finish it. with a good, you know, we'll finish with kind of like how that all some, some funny things about him. But uh I yeah, let's talk about. I mean, I know we we don't need to talk about the I mean I'll just say this. It's kind of what I talked about last week on the in the STS column on Go Long, but Vegas was telling us that this Buffalo team is the Super Bowl front runner. They believe it, they made him a favorite in KC. With a healthy you know there was nobody injured on kc you know mahomes was healthy that doesn't happen and i it's official like i thought that was everything the bills are they're everything they really are i mean they're everything we've talked about i see no reason they're not in the super bowl and and hey look anybody can win or lose a game against when you're talking about these two quarterbacks however we can get you know, I know we're all probably wanted every week, but wow, who it's just, it's just wild to watch.
2: They're definitely on their own it, plane. It's, right? a, it's the like quarterbacks, the teams it's Buffalo, Kansas. I know. no knock on Philly. I mean, Philly's undefeated. We can't, I we think can't, there's a gap. Down in Philly. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, this is
1: what I wanted to just say to you, what you were, cause the way you were just talking about those two. I actually think they've separated themselves from like, I don't, I think it's almost like there's a gap for me like Burrow and Herbert yeah. and Lamar, yeah. even, but these guys aren't, they're not on that level right now. Aaron Rodgers isn't on that level right now. I know you, know I know you're not, <laughs> but, but you know you see my point. Jordan they're, they're, Love on the other hand. Who'd you say? Sorry. I said Jordan Love on the other hand. No, we're going to talk about Bailey Zappi, but, um, Ooh. But what my point is, that's rare. Just when you don't think those guys can get any better, I think they actually are. And the rest of the league is going to have to find, I don't know if they can catch
2: up. You know what what struck me in talking to Jordan Palmer before this season, and we had like that quarterback round table up, you know, Jordan Palmer just went out of his way to say like Josh Allen found um, very just minuscule detailed microscopic things to improve to his game where obviously he's been an MVP candidate. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league the last couple of seasons, but, you know, even in terms of just getting the ball out quicker, you know, he, granted he can't just make his arm you know, shorter. He can't become a six two compact quarterback like Drew Brees to just get it out quick. He is what he is with his long limbs, right? That was one of Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner's criticisms. Like, He's got these long levers. Like it's just harder to get the ball out quickly, but Josh Allen like really worked on his lower body in the off season and just shifting his hips to where he wants to get them. And maybe, maybe his front foot like isn't completely set, but as Jordan Palmer said, it's, it's going the right direction and the ball's out. So you can make up time with something so microscopic as, as that with the quick release, he, his work ethic is, And next level, he's always going to find something to get better at. Um, He looks like a better quarterback. And you know what? Give me 24-20 over whatever the hell the score was in the divisional game. I thought it was a better football game. I really did a better
1: quality play I like your
2: point on that. I
1: like your point on that. It goes to show you how well coached – and I've been hard on Steve Spagnuolo. that, that, That defense plays well. That defense is good they're well coached spags is a good guy co- i've been hard on him as far as i have just saw some roller coasters in his career and when i worked with him in new orleans it was ugly for that one year but when i look back on it it may have just been ugly in general it was when coach payton was out and i, I think back on it now that i've you know been around a little bit it wasn't a recipe for success and and anybody that's accomplished as much as he has He's a good football coach and their defense is playing well. And this Bills defense, I don't know what else can you say? It's, I thought they made to make KC work that hard for, I thought they had to work for everything, KC. Like they didn't work, they weren't, nothing looked easy like it usually does sometimes for them. Um, Both teams, really, both teams were working. It was, it's just talent. It's just, both teams are well coached. It's just crazy. It's always funny for me to see, you know, think back that that's how I started with those guys. Like, Sean and I running around as interns at training camp. You know, he's, he's getting Andy Reid Diet Cokes. I'm getting the clips for Derek Boyko and all the, all the team. And if Derek Boyko run, works for the Bills now. It's just crazy to think here they are. I mean, they're in the, they're in the spotlight in the, in the NFL, like the biggest stage of, of the NFL. They are the two best teams.
2: Probably a good thing that you got Sean McDermott the interview and and hired Sean McDermott. You're telling me that was, that was a good thing, Jim.
1: Hey, here's what is good though. Seriously. It's really cool to see the success to be a part of, honestly, how many people can say they were a part of being asked to hire a a football coach and the Pagolas put their trust in Willie and I to put the list together present them candidates and they, you know, obviously they had final say on Sean, but they were, you know, he was the right choice by far. I mean, obviously he, it's what we talked about. I've talked about before on this show, but it's ownership, spend the money, head coach GM synced up, get the quarterback. Sean didn't feel comfortable with us. He moved on. He got the GM that he felt comfortable with. Okay. What did they do? They get the quarterback. There it is. That's the structure. It's not a secret. The the Kansas City is exact same way. Andy Reid and Brett Veach are so tight, you wouldn't believe it. Guess who they hired back right away on that staff? Matt Nagy, the Bears ex-coach. Guess who's gonna be the head coach in waiting for the Kansas City Chiefs when Andy Reid steps down? Matt Nagy. Guess why? Guess who played college football together at University of Delaware? Matt Nagy, the GM, Brett Veach. So you see how these teams are structured for success, sustained success. And that's what I'm talking about at the top. Go to Carolina, owner that's in the way, (laughs) GM and coach have no relationship and there's no quarterback. And what do you have? The worst disaster going right now in football. Like I, I, that is a, I can't believe how, uh, that's one I was completely, I thought that team was gonna compete this year. You and me both. Sorry. I don't know. I just went on a little, I know I went on a little bit. It led me to, I love it.
2: Keep going. I, I think it's something we don't talk about enough on how important um, structure, general co- competence and structure are structure. to a football team. I, it's, it's that simple structure. It's it's what it is. And no, and, and you know what it is too? It's, it's so many things, but like, again and again, Scouts around the league point to a team like the Baltimore Ravens as a gold standard, and the the more I learned about Ozzie Newsome and building that franchise from scratch, I mean they they were bare bones when they moved from Cleveland to Baltimore. They're working out of a police barrack of an old police barracks where there's like shell casings in the in the front yard of, of the the quote unquote facility for the team, and they've got you know VHS tapes lined up around the boundary and. I mean, Phil Savage puts everything just beautifully yeah. on how it was as bare bones as it gets. Feels good. Uh, but Ozzie was just that 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 calming presence. I mean, a guy who grew up in the segregated South, who just like doesn't even flinch, who's the de facto GM, right? You leave Cleveland, everybody wants your owner dead. Art Modell and that first draft of '96, Art Modell, Ted marchabroda they wanted Lawrence Phillips in the worst way. They wanted this running back out of Nebraska. They want to yeah. make a big splash in a new market. And Ozzie Newsom, you know, what? Did, he had the final say, right? He's not officially the GM yet, but he's in charge of the team. And he says, I talked to Ozzie about this. Look, the scouts put in all this work all year on all these college prospects. The top guy at their board was Jonathan Ogden. And Jonathan Ogden was available at their pick. They're not going to deviate from the board. It, see, it seems like cliche and simple to, to talk about, but... I think again and again in front of offices that aren't structured well, sure that, that just operate in, in weird it's, silos and, you know, Jerry Jones is just, you know, popping in and tell, telling everybody, all right, do, do this, take this guy. Again, and again the New York Giants are uh, an absolute disaster under Dave Gettleman. Yes. Look, where they are now with Joe Shane and Brian did Dable. You, you, you need that do structure. Do you, you need that hierarchy. You need that calming. Yes. Yeah. like presence a, a clear like it's, decision maker and and everything kind of flowing from there the
1: team feeds off of it the team see the team will see everything that's going on they they feel I can remember it I can just remember especially when it was going down when things got ugly with kind of when it was ending with Rex and Anthony Lynn and listen there there was no there was no hiding it was a shit show mm-hmm. okay let's call it what it is. And if you're a player and you're looking around and like, that's what's going on. That's who's running this show. It, that's why it has to be structured, but when, but flip it the other way, when they see the continuity and what, and the, and the, and the consistency of the, at the top, that's when they fall and, and you're seeing it, to be honest, the Patriots are get. you know, we, we joke around a lot about, Belichick not winning without a quarterback but that team's competing right now like there's a they, they still are buying into you know Pittsburgh still trying to compete to you know so it just goes to show like it, it just has to be structured right it has to be
2: mm-hmm. also helps when you when you have the quarterback no, no that's part I of mean... the
1: state that's part of the structure that that's no no doubt it might be the most important piece
2: kind of a segue into new england then where you do have that structure you do have the greatest coach of all time you know being around that team a little bit you know after they beat pittsburgh earlier this season you you could sense a confidence in like just the way they operate day to day like granted like everybody on the outside rightfully so is mocking this team for rolling out the red carpet to joe judge and matt patricia to run your offense i mean are you kidding me and you know, transactionally, they don't really do a hell of a lot in the office. Like, how did you get better after that shellacking, two shellackings to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills? How did you close that gap you, when you, you know, you let JC Jackson walk? Well, let's look at the Patriots right now. JC J- Jackson can't even get on the field now for the Chargers. He, he was benched. Um, he didn't look good. So know. they've, how, here's, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, Jim. No, how no. often have the Patriots, like, not paid a player and then that player ended up being, Really, really good. I mean, Gilmore right now for the Colts, is, you know, he's in the middle of a really good season. But I can't think of anybody historically who got paid elsewhere post-Belichick and day. continued to be an elite player.
0: Yeah.
1: No, that's a good one. You're right. I can't think of anybody off top.
2: But the system that they have there, there is something To that, you know, I don't think we should just crown the Patriots, but the fact that they're competitive and they're winning games and they're doing it with a third string quarterback that you want to get into here, it speaks volumes to that competency that you're hitting on.
1: Well, I was just laughing thinking about, but how many of the coaches that have left there for head jobs have done, how have they done
2: Well, that—that's—I mean—that's why Belichick is rare, right? You can't—you can't can't replicate it. You can't—you can't take it somewhere else. You you just can't.
1: He and Brady are—he and Brady are, elite at their profession. And to say you need one over the other, I'm always going to pick the quarterback, okay? But it doesn't mean the other one isn't elite at his. You know, it just—they had to. They're the two best. Anyway. They were the two best because Brady's not the best anymore after what we, those two guys. Grumbling um, about Mac okay, Jones go to and the
2: team not being on the same page here. I, I'm sure you saw that. Wait, sorry. I talked over you on that. I'm just grumblings, you know, that Mac Jones and the team maybe aren't so, seeing eye to eye as, what, as uh, Mr. Zappy zaps defenses.
1: So of course we talk about study the stats. So I see the big game, you know, but I didn't, I kind of had red zone, kind of wasn't really watching, paying attention real close. So you see the stats. So I'm like, all right, let's see what he did. You know, I was just trying to awesome, awesome football game. He, he was a pure playmaker. He scored better for me than Mac Jones. I've done all Mac Jones's games. He had a better one game score than Mac Jones has ever had. Now it's one game. It's one game. And I, the first thing I was thinking about, could it be a Jeremy Lynn, you know, coming in, putting up 50, you know, whatever it is, but I don't, this guy, there is, let's think about him in college. He has that, like, he has a playmaking ability to him without a big skill set. If that makes sense, there's not a big arm. He's not, he's not the fastest, but he's all of it works. Um, He knows how to play the position is what I'm saying. Now I don't know what the carryover is, and how how talented he is because he does have limitations. But that's what I love about the way I watch a game on a player like that because he was making throws that were just like, I mean, they were some. It was it was really he was he put on a show like he put on a show.
2: I love the so. Jeremy Lin comp, Jim, because you <laughs> get that you get that feel watching Bailey Zappy heating up like it's NBA Jam and he's in a rhythm, like he's at Western Kentucky just tearing up defenses. There's something to be said for just kind of seeing the game, and you're seeing it fast, and you're hitting your open receivers, and one play leads to the next and the next, and it snowballs like it did for him in his this game against
1: Cleveland. Accuracy in the red zone. He made some throws that were – I mean, it, it required like – I mean, it was awkward angles. He was torquing his – I mean, he was seriously – it was eye-opening like I said, now it's a matter of, it's, that's the hardest thing. It's what separates people. How do you do it every week? Like that's what
2: separates you. And that's- Mike White, you know, was the the second coming of Jesus Christ last year for the New York Jets after a game. So, but I, I don't think this is a Mike White situation. I think Zappi, I don't know. Do I uh, – I got to be careful. You know it's funny about that Mike White He looks good. I good. I wouldn't bench him for Mac Jones right now is what I'll say. No,
1: no. I, I I'm not saying that yet. I'm saying that it's time for Mac when he gets back. It's time for him to make some plays.
2: So when Mac is healthy and good to go, you still think he should be the starter? I
1: think so. I think he's – I think – I feel like he is – I feel like, yes. I feel like he should. Okay. I feel like he should. I guess, I guess it could. Yeah. When is he supposed to be back? I guess would be, I'm
2: I'm. I'm just kind of speaking like. Well, we sh- well Belichick has been asked every week and he, he appreciates the questions he says repeatedly. I, I so greatly much. appreciate your question. It means so much to me, but yeah, in terms of substance and intelligence, th- there isn't much coming up. I
1: think the reason I was thinking that was if it was another, if it was like a, actually an extended period of of time where it's like three or four or five games and, and the Patriots are rolling, then yeah, I think you could, no, I was just thinking if it was like next week or something, I I would, I would go back to them, but yeah, but I'm telling you that is like, seriously, that that's, that was, it tells you once again about a team that's structured correctly. (laughs) They, They know what they, they know what will work for them in a draft. You know, they, they, they did their work on him to draft him in the fourth round. That fourth round is screaming ideal number two backup. That's what you, when you take a guy into fourth, that's what you're saying right away. Like this guy can develop, he can either develop or right away. He's a number two and then maybe hit and maybe you get a number one, but that's a, that's how I like that.
2: Where do the New England Patriots fit in in terms of AFC East contenders?
1: I just, I still got to see. I still don't buy into this, the Mac Jones Zappi good enough. I just, the, the level, the gap right now in the quarterback play. The Jets, <laughs> the Jets are fascinating to me because I still, <laughs> Zach Wilson does not look good to me, but they, Joe Douglas, the GM there, we've talked about him before. I told, I think the Jets have some talent. There's some talent on that football team. I still don't know if Zach Wilson's any good. And the Miami, that Dolphins team has turned into a
2: I mean, the Tua injury kind of torpedoed their tough. season at this point, anyways. I mean, here they are in first place, and Mike McDaniel's changing everything there. And
1: and there's no easy games. There's officially though, for the Bills. There there are no easy games in the AFC East.
2: That's a good point. I mean, New England is, is gonna still try to I guess, do oh, what they did last year. I don't know if it will work. They want to run the ball like. north and south 40, 45 times a game.
1: And it's and it's been working lately. You know what? I want to take that. I don't like the way I said that about easy games. Because there are really no such things as easy games. I, I meant basically all these teams are good. Like, they're not in a rebuild. They're not in a, you know, they, these teams are competitive, really good football teams. Yeah. Like that might be just a little missing something still, mainly quarterback. But you know, that's really—I mean—that's the gap. Yeah. That's the gap that the Bills have because he is that good.
2: I, I I have a hard time seeing Buffalo get moved off of that top seed. It's it's early. There's a lot of games. Anything can happen. Injuries, and I mean, they got into a slump last year. They they hit a rut last year it just feels different than last year though i would be surprised if the bills just hit a skid the defense last year i know they had the number one ranked pass defense right was not the pass but it was kind of funny money it wasn't it didn't feel real they they kind of ran up the score against some bad teams they had the success they're having on defense against good quarterbacks good teams lamar mahomes i mean they they look good in the moments it's, it's the Super Bowl chance. Say what you want about Stafford, you know, made him look like a puddle of mud. So I, that tells me they're not going they're not going to fall into a rut. And you know, Kansas City maybe is the one team that still has a, a legit shot at the number one seed. But now you got two games up on Kansas City effectively. I think Buffalo's in the driver's seat. I, I'd be surprised. It's early, but I'd still be surprised if the road to the Super Bowl didn't go through Orchard Park. Myself. Oh yeah, it's.
1: Yeah, there was no secret about this team this year. Everybody I think saw it, and it's 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 being delivered. So
2: yeah.
1: Hey, what? Uh, <laughs> real quick, what, how many times are we gonna see Denver? Where are we at with Denver? Where are you at right now?
2: Oh man, well, I just shared because uh, we
1: haven't talked. I want to hear it right now because it's it's beyond it's beyond strange. Uh, here's what I want to ask you can you think of a time when there's ever been a player that that was this accomplished like russell wilson i'm saying accomplished with all his teammates coming out now it's i feel like it's almost like they're piling
2: on now like they are but my i mean i just shared michael robinson's uh yeah yeah i'm watching that live i had to record and throw it up because it just i was like whoa because michael robinson is not one to just hot take his way through a segment no like he that's coming from a place of substance in my in my opinion i know we've got a lot some russell wilson you know big time russell wilson fans who listen to this podcast i've been a huge russell wilson fan i think what who he is as a person is should be the envy of any professional athlete in terms of philanthropy and being a good husband good father all that stuff Um, but there are so many layers to him and there is a phoniness there that we've all kind of seen that's odd and strange the i mean the i mean where where do you even want to begin the subway commercial the uh Mr. Unlimited video the that he Unlimited put out thing. that was it's it's just it's, it's 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 corny, it's weird, and then when you hear Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman okay, you know, riffing on how they have they have to go through a publicist to talk to Rose. If that's true, that's insane. That's insane. That's what people like me do to get interviews for the blood and guts. It's not what a teammate has to do when you just you know shed blood on a football field to win a super bowl together. That's, that's being a bad teammate. If that's true. Um, and then and for Michael Robinson, a a, a, a logical dude to I'm just go off on Russell Wilson, like he did, you got the clip up on my Twitter, if you want to check it out, but just basically saying like teammates don't want to hear you at the podium saying let's ride and, you know, execute that. No, they want, they want you to be real, be pissed, be passionate show some human emotion. Everything's going wrong for your team right now. And you're a big reason, like, let's see some, some realness to you because like he said, everybody knows how much money he's making. And when you make that kind of money, you need to have some results. You need to have a little passion behind your play. And, oh, I mean, it's, it's, we've been critical of Wilson and Hackett. And this is after we've been praising them through the off season in, in many ways. Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is, but this isn't what the Denver Broncos signed up for think about Michael
1: Robinson, Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch. Those guys are alphas like big time alpha male. Like they're not putting up with, they're not going to put up with that just plain and simple. So it's interesting. It's always interesting for me to see the guys that come out. I, there's something to it when those guys are saying something. So it is just crazy to think it's, I guess I was, I was, he- you know, I've been hesitant on, I wasn't completely bought into Denver. You like, were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't
2: mean to lump you in. No, as a, I know.
1: I was more, <laughs> I think I was more curious. I was more curious about this whole Hackett and Russell thing. It's funny how the one thing I said about the one thing I talked to EJ Manuel about was, I asked him did he find Hackett corny? And and you just used that word for Russell Wilson. It's funny how they're together right. I mean it's just it's interesting. Yeah. But um and I'm not saying I'm not even going to say that was the right thing to say but it, it was more I was I remember it was just feeling that way sometimes. Um for a lack of a better word, is why. But EJ kind of didn't feel that way, but I didn't know if he was taking the high road at this point and <laughs> I might not yeah. be
2: anymore. <laughs> I, you know what? In the back of my head, I, I knew Denver's defense was was really good and they'd be really good again. And they added to it. And their defense is in... so
1: Tyler. That is a great point. Sorry. Go ahead. Their defense is
2: you're right. Ju- I mean, Justin Herbert's numbers were, were terrible. I mean, to throw the ball as much as he did and get have no big plays, that, that I mean, to take away the big play like Denver has been is is remarkable. And Martin, I guess I just thought that Russell Wilson, yeah, he was, he was average. He was above average last year, but I kind of bought into the Seattle holding Russell back and them not really letting him just, just wing it, right. Just let him throw it around, let him play, make why are you running the ball and, and trying to play this ball control style when you've got a Russell Wilson. And at, at some point, I don't know what lines crossed, but he, he got older. He's smaller. He's his arm is, is, I guess. Okay. Not terrible, but he just, he, he's an below average quarterback in um, a bad scheme too. It's, it's hard to figure Is it Hackett? Is it Wilson? It's probably a combination of, of both. I just thought they'd get something out of offense. that was a hell of a lot better than drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and Brock Osweiler and everything that has been walking through that door since Peyton Manning. And it's, it's been worse. It's been worse this year. And nobody saw that coming.
1: No. no, you can't predict it to fall off. I, it, you can't even, I, you can't even lean on anything that they do well. They look that look that the players have on the. Melvin
2: Gordon's not even on the field. He's on the sideline.
1: Like what is happening? Like what is? Yeah, there's there's a lot going on
2: there. Well, you know, M- Michael Robinson said like there could be a mutiny. <laughs> I mean, you see it on the sideline when. Uh, I think actually David Carr chimed in on, on the NFL Network show. And he's like, yeah, I can see a beauty building. When Jerry Judy comes off to the sideline, where does he go? He goes to Melvin Gordon, who is not being used, who's not pouting, but he's off on off on his own, just kind of yeah. sulking in a way, and maybe rightfully so that he's not playing. That's where he goes. Like, now you're going to start getting those those silos. You're, you're going to start getting people – off on their own little islands because you're losing. You're two and four. Things are falling apart. And I thought the AFC West was supposed to be this, you know, cannibalistic division. Hey,
1: <laughs> hey do me a favor. Do me a favor. After every year, we do our uh, predictions before the season and all that. Can you find a way to delete and never play those again?
2: Yeah, you know, just kind of. I thought Seattle was going to be really bad this year i thought denver and well i'm not i'm not giving up on steelers yet you know they're going to get healthier to get TJ i told you by. i told don't get but i didn't have them back? in the playoffs wait, wait wait all right hold on okay hold on
1: my last i wanted real quick i wanted one last thing on zappy um he has some he has some Minshew to him as far as like
0: Ooh.
1: just that he's a quarterback i don't care i don't care if i'm not the biggest i don't care if i'm not the biggest arm just don't worry about it i I'll make the play. That's how he, that's kind of what he reminded me of. Um, Throw instant, instant, instant eval. Jeremy Lynn, Gardner Minshew, Bailey at
2: done. All right, Jim, help me sell this book. Tell everybody when you first laid eyes on Jimmy Graham. So he is playing basketball, the university of Miami. And is uh he, he's dunking it. He's blocking shots. He's, you know, he's a, a rim runner. He's up and down the court. And then his basketball career ends. He's got some options. Um, that's how I start that chapter. Know your worth, Jeremy, uh, Jimmy Graham. And he's uh, trying to figure out what to do. He's got some, he's got offers overseas to play in other countries basketball. One one team offered him half a million bucks. He's got a chance to kind of see the world. He's got whatever it was, about 10 NBA tryout offers. He can try to maybe get it, find a seat at the end of the bench, work his way up that that totem pole, which is not a bad way to make a living. I mean, no. NBA players make a lot of money. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's unbelievably bright. He could put his degree to use. Part of him wanted to be a Navy SEAL. You know, he wanted he wants to fight for his country. That that part of that's in his family upbringing. And it was a conversation with Bernie Kozar of all people in the backyard of somebody's house at a barbecue in, in Miami. And Bernie kind of puts that bug in his ear. Hey, have you thought about football? Have you thought about football? Um, it was right around that time that the Patriots worked him out and offered Jimmy Graham a spot on the practice squad. I mean, Matt Patricia's putting him through a workout in Miami. And they—they're he, he, Grant, he hadn't played a down of football yet in Miami, but they're offering him this spot like to just kind of learn and develop as a tight end so he could be the best coach ever, best quarterback ever. Um, he chooses to go back to school, you know, tight end you in a lot of ways, Miami or Iowa, Miami can say this case, like, develop where Bubba Franks and Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow Jr. And all these guys have been that that's what he chooses. And that's where Jim Monas enters the equation. And he's, 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 catching what 17 balls. He's making a few plays in the red zone, unbelievably raw, but he does have the NFL's attention because of Tony Gonzalez. Because of Antonio Gates, you guys as scouts are thinking, yes, a basketball player can shine a tight end because like Tony Gonzalez has given up four or five inches to Ed O'Bannon and Tim Thomas um, on a basketball court and learn how to time up his rebounds and his his jump shot. You put that onto a football field and you're just bigger than everybody else and more athletic than everybody else. It's changing the way you think as a scout, isn't it?
1: He, so basically, what was so cool about it was the University of Miami did a great job of letting every scout know, hey, just pay attention. You know, just he, he's, you know, he just hasn't played. He just doesn't have experience. So it wasn't like he wasn't necessarily unknown. So I don't ever want it to go like he was a known guy. Um, he was promoted and every everybody was aware of you can't help but just see him in practice you know it's just like yeah that's what you want that's how they draw him up that's how you know it goes back to the old video game where you create these guys on video. It's that's created right size speed all of it okay so then you watch the tape and it's just very robotic is the word i always said with jimmy at first he just wasn't fluid with his routes he was counting his steps it just didn't look natural on a, i mean but that's natural i mean that's okay um, but then it started, then you start looking at the the good. And then you start looking at his production where hey, he's not getting a lot of opportunities, but then all of a sudden it's like, hey, he has, he has touchdowns, like he's scoring touchdowns. They're using his skill set right now. Throw the ball up to him, let him make a play, or let him run by people down the scene. And I can just think of, I honestly, as a scout, just know that's an easy guy to do as far as, hey, I don't know there's just there's a lot to work with here and coach payton was basically you don't he didn't need soul he he knew more than anybody coach payton to be honest with you had the vision and knew more than any of us knew about how good he could be his confidence level was way more than anybody in that building in new orleans and here's what we also did here's where it was really cool too i told we always talk about bringing in you, you get to bring in like 30 players before the draft so he was a guy we brought in. Um, they always let the scouts kind of pick, hey, you guys get two or three to come in. And I can remember definitely, let's have Jim. definitely wanted Jimmy coming in. Cause I knew that I just, it was like, a, it was awesome. I just remember we were eating voodoo barbecue down there in New Orleans. <laughs> and like, I just think back on all that. And had, we just talk basketball so much, which is in the book, but at that time, but we just, it was always, it was just crazy to think. And then we draft them and then, He goes to like one of the greatest quarterbacks and head coach combinations you could ever. Once again, real quick to go back to how the Saints are structured, owner, stay out of the way. Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, we're tied together. Drew Brees, quarterback, boom, Super Bowl. Anyway, um, but Jimmy Graham got to be a part of that. And to think, to see, I I guess it's cool as a scout to go through the whole process from the fall to the senior bowl, to the pre-draft, to the draft, then then we just had the ride in New Orleans. It was fun.
2: It's fascinating, and you know we've got I've got the whole backstory on that that draft where I mean you've got Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, um, Dennis Pitta, I believe, Aaron Hernandez, Ed Dixon. You've got a lot of tight ends. A lot of teams at that point know what the tight end can do athletically, and they, they want to find their next Tony Gonzalez, their next Antonio Gates. And and this is a draft where you can get him. And Bill Belichick wanted to. So a year after he tried to convince Jimmy Graham to slink onto the practice squad and develop for a year, he wants these tight ends. He takes Rob Gronkowski in round number two. R- round number three comes around and New Orleans pounces you guys take jimmy graham and then he ends up with uh aaron hernandez in the fourth round like can you imagine Gronk and jimmy graham on the same team you know aaron hernandez is a football player obviously i was gonna say schematic nightmare but i'm just saying he obviously didn't last long in the league yeah i I just aaron
1: would say i know that one's
2: just either
1: way off the chart talents it's yeah
2: you're but, right. And man, there's another, I didn't mention Bill Parcells. He's running no, the Miami Dolphins. So, right. He, I mean, I, he, he wants Jimmy Graham and we've got the backstory on the senior bowl and, and, and their, their coaches are at the senior bowl. And Jimmy Graham to this day is, is certain that Parcells and they were, they were trying to hide Jimmy right from other teams and other scouts who are there and like using him in ways that don't exactly accentuate his gifts and just run him in the ground and, He's, he's getting blown up by Taylor Mays in a hidden drill. Uh, that that part of it's kind of funny too. I I, t- I talked to Bill Parcells and I asked him about that Senior Bowl week and like hey, were you trying to hide him? Um, you know he his his memory couldn't go back that far. He it was a little little hazy at that point, but. It's uh, I'm blown away by the counterfactuals on on what could have been and and you were I mean you had a seat at the table you were the area scout in oh, the southeast was... I mean to call you an area scout doesn't do it just when you're the southeast scout like I don't care you you are some type of director of personnel something beyond a scout because that's where all the talent is in college football.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Every scout, every scout has challenges but the southeast is where you will learn real quick real quick what plays in the nfl um no but here's what i was going to say though coach payton i can't remember after he was so excited about that pick and after everything kind of calmed down he went out of the room to uh, call paul he said he he wasn't hiding it but he was like i'm gonna call parcells almost like like when you call your friends when you're growing up like you know, if you beat them in something and you want to call, just rub it in a little bit or something (laughs) almost like, like I got them. I, yeah, I I'm telling you, I I can't say enough about coach Peyton's vision for him. I I really, I honestly, I haven't, I've been a part of a lot of drafts and I can't tell, there aren't a ton of times when it's like that, where it actually comes true. Like, and he knew the process of it. He knew it wasn't going to be instant. Like he knew it. He wasn't, he wasn't in a rush. No, it was, it was well done. And it goes to another point, like we talked about, sorry, but it goes to drafting guys. It does help for players to go to the right teams to develop them fully, you know? I think about Jimmy Graham, if we drafted him in Buffalo and we were just (laughs) running through quarterbacks and running through offensive coordinators and does Jimmy Graham become what he is? I don't know, I'm not, yeah. But you see
2: my point, Jimmy. Right? Jimmy Graham is, is the first to admit in our conversations like that he's bullshitting his way through interviews at the combine. Like his agents telling him like all the buzzwords that you have to use, like, oh, I like he to block know. power. <laughs> he didn't know the position, he didn't know how to block, like, he didn't know any of this <laughs> stuff. He knew what to say to sound smart. Like, um, he had to learn, like, he had and he had the right people around him. He had Jeremy Shockey, he had Sean Payton, he had you know, a great tight end room and great leaders drew breeze t- really took him in um uh, and and as our as our guy jerry evans said and greg williams agreed if jimmy graham stays with drew Brees, and maybe not his entire career but at least another five six years i i tend to agree we're probably talking about him as the best tight end ever or he's at least in that conversation because what they had at their peak was special in 2011. I mean, Graham and Gronkowski have their own little McGuire Sosa thing going on sans the steroids uh, for the, the most receiving yards in tight end history. And, and Gronk gets the record and Jimmy still remembers this against Buffalo late in the game. Brian Hoyer is a quarterback because it's a blowout win. There's no reason for Gronk to be in the game and he has a catch to get the record. And uh I remember, I remember Jimmy Graham did, did not forget that. No, but he—I mean—he was right there with Gronk in terms of talent, production, ability, receiving ability. You know, m- maybe not run blocking ability, but when, in terms of being a weapon that you just—I'm sure you remember the touchdown against Dante Whitner in San Francisco in the playoffs. That—that that should have been the lasting image of that divisional game, right? Not—not Vernon not Davis and the tears. I'm—I'm I'm, th- turn the podcast off. I can't <laughs> talk about that game. <laughs>
1: There's certain games I can't talk about. I can't. I know. I, was, I know. I was, oh, it hurts. No. But he was, I don't know, man. Great job, though, for bringing, bringing him to, oh. to light. Because the story is pretty special. It really is. He, he and, should I mean, not be
2: forgotten. He should not be forgotten in the history of the tight end position, the game. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, indie books. Wherever you get your books, I I cannot thank you enough for Buying the blood and guts. It means so much to me, our family, Jim, everybody. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I, I really mean that. Don't, don't, I don't say that lightly. Uh, so let me know what you think, you know, shoot me any, I should throw this out too, Jim. If anybody out there does buy the blood and guts and they, they didn't get a, a book plate on the deal we ran at go long a while back, Just shoot me a DM, email me at golongtd at gmail. I've got some book plates here. Here's what they look like. It's just just a sticker. I'll sign it, send it to you, stick it in there if you want. And uh, let's keep building this thing. So thank you everyone from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Including you, Jim. Great to see you again, bud. It's been too long. Good catch up. Hey, good week. Good weekend coming up.
1: Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs and uh Chiefs Niners. Chiefs Niners, is a game I'm excited to pay Ooh, attention to. I like it. Because 49ers like it. are a little banged up on defense. We gotta see what's going on there. But
2: yeah, Marcus Mariota looking like Oregon, Marcus Mariota, tearing him up. Uh yeah, I don't know. You gotta get healthy. They're they're kind of working through their thing. Now, what about Packers Commanders? If the Green Bay loses to Washington, Taylor Heineke. He's under the under helm now.
1: I am so. Let's not talk about it, but yes, I I'm a Heineke. Tyler, Buffalo around
2: better, the corner. That's Heineke. Heineke Green was a in a better, tough spot.
1: Heineke was a better quarterback than Carson Wentz was last year. When Heineke and Washington played better than Wentz played for Indy. We talked about it, and this team is gonna this is gonna be interesting because they, they they do have weapons.
2: Hey, he made the first annual go long, all old school team. So I don't know if there's a higher honor than that for, t- for Taylor. for So yeah, it's, it's good. All good right, memory. everybody. Thanks so much for listening, for watching. We appreciate it. We'll be back here very soon as always. Make sure you get on into fatty, get some beers. We'll be back there very soon. So just be at alert, go com. I have all the updates right there. Thank you so much.